nights when one drink with the girls turns into a bottle, but you need your car for brunch the next day. There's pickup. Or at Friday work drinks, where you don't want to leave your car with expensive tools at the pub. There's pickup. Don't miss out on the fun. Get a pickup. Simply book on our app, and we'll pick you up to drive you and your car home. Two drivers arrive, one drives you home in your car, and the other driver follows. Download the pickup app today. That's PKUP, and wake up worry-free. Hi, I'm Macaulay Jones. Dick Johnson from DJ Art, and you're on Inside Supercar. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. Welcome to Inside the Supercast, Tony Wittock and Craig Gravel, and we're joined by a man fresh from a racetrack, that is Barry Ryan, CEO and team principal at Erebus Motorsports. Barry, it was major good, wonderful for you to get back to a racetrack, I imagine. Oh, yeah, it's hard to explain how good it is to get back to the racetrack and just hear the cars and see the, see the team there, just enjoying racing again, because that's all, all we all want to do. That's, that's what we do, that's our lives. I'm um, really good to, to, yeah, get back there and um, just feel it again. Now, Barry, you and I first met when you were working with John Faulkner, um, but you'd already spent two or three years in motorsport back in the mid-90s. When did you actually first get involved in motorsport as a full-time job? Now, the first year with motorsport was 1998, so it was really only, I think, JF's first, uh, second year in um, supercars, so... Yeah, my first year was actually with JF in um, 98, so I hadn't been involved with anything but my own personal motorbike racing before 98. So, yeah, I, I reckon I only met you, Tone, maybe that year or the year after. So, yeah, we're pretty similar in, in our stats. Indeed, indeed. But I've got about 30 years on top of you, mate. So Yeah, <laughs> I know. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Known each other for that long oh, in supercars. I, I, but, uh, yeah. I had dreams of being a mechanic, but uh, that was not the workout for me. But anyway, um, so you, you tested yesterday. Tell us about the day, uh, cars involved and those sort of things, drivers. Yeah, so the day, um, I guess um, the rules allow us to have an evaluation day every year. So, so we, we sort of take it, took advantage of we had our third car built up for a wild card car and it's um, you know, it's looking like if we can get Murph and Richie over here and back for the wild card that it, it'd be really good to run their car before they get to drive it and make sure that it's all perfect which I've got full confidence in our team that it'd be perfect if they just rolled into a test but we took advantage of taking that car to a test and getting young Jalen Robotham and um, Reese McCarthy into the car and um, doing evaluation day with those guys, so um, yeah, it was a it was a good day to get the, and get the team there again because getting a bit of a test day before you do a race and getting everybody back into the vibe because when you have three three months off racing, it's easy for everybody to sort of go not half asleep, but you know, you got to get back into the rigors of um, go racing because it's a full on day going testing or racing. And you can't make any errors. So um, it was a perfect day for the team to get involved again, get that car on the track and get those young drivers an opportunity to, to learn what it's like to drive a, a current supercar. I imagine that you call it match fitness. Uh, being in an AFL state, you're used to that terminology and that's what your boys will be looking for, isn't it? 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. As in the crew, yeah, they um, they got to test some some stuff at Bathurst. Like nowadays, you got to do a rotor change at Bathurst, and you know it's a bit of a pain. But you know, you, there's so much development going in to make sure you can do a rotor change in the in the space of pretty much less than thirty seconds to make sure it's within the fuel. And you know, it's one thing you got to do for the whole year that that actually costs the team a lot of money to develop it and get it reliable and get the crew ready to do it and yeah you've got to grab a rotor off the car it's still glowing so it's a it's a huge thing to do and so we took the opportunity yesterday to get um our regular crew involved and we've done some tune-ups from last year to make sure it's more reliable and we got the some of the wildcard um, crew involved as well to make sure that when we get to Bathurst and the rotor change comes around whatever lap it is that the risk is very minimal now to a failure or, or an error. So, um, yeah, that we've ticked that box yesterday. So that's very important for Bathurst. And winning Bathurst is what we're all trying to achieve for any year that we go racing. It's one thing having two cars and a crew and having them working together throughout a year, even an interrupted year. What's it like pulling together a crew for a wild card and how do you how do you make those decisions on the level of experience that you can risk in a weekend like Bathurst? Yeah, it's a, it's a good, very, very good question. And um, luckily, contrary to what people's beliefs are with me as a person, I've got a lot of people in the background that um, I still get on with really well that I've worked with before and I'll pull together some guys that I've worked with in the in the past that either aren't in supercars anymore or or want to be involved in projects that I'm involved in. So, you know, I've got great people like Brown Beasley that's going to manage the wildcard journey. I've got um, uh, Dale Horn and George Lear. They were number one and number two on Murph's car back in the Kelly days when I was there, and they're out of motorsport now, but... I had a full-time motorsport, but they're they're involved in the wild cards, so they're really experienced. I've got James Burden, used to work for Erebus. So I've got some guys in, in our garage that yesterday they just fell back into the system. They, they're really good racing guys that aren't involved full-time in racing anymore, but they're really, really great guys that know the system and know how it works. And we taught them how to do the brake changes yesterday, and within two or three goes, they were ready to go. So, you know, it's just, great to be able to call on guys like that that are happy to put their hand up and you know and um work with us to do a wild card and um that is a really hard thing to find experienced guys but i've called on these guys and their loyalty to me as a person as well as um you know being involved in motorsport is um, something i'm proud of and uh, i can pat myself in the back and say Still guys like this you didn't have your two regular drivers who of course were this year regulars for the first time in Will Brown and Brody Kostecki. They've done an outstanding job for you uh, this year as they have for the last few years in driving for you. I'm not suggesting for one second that they haven't exceeded your expectations, but they've certainly lived up to them, I'd imagine. I am um yeah. Will and Brody I, I had all the confidence in the world, whether anybody asked it or not, at the start of the year. Uh, that they would do the job they've already done. And um, we actually sat down with a you know, pen and paper at the end of last year and said, where do you think you're going to end up next year? And they're, they're on that target. Um, we obviously all said, you know, we're going to want to win the championship, which 
Now, you, you say as a professional athlete or a professional uh, motorsport person, but the the true expectation is is where they are, if not higher. So, um, you know, I think by the end of the year, they're both still planning to win a race by the end of the year, and, and I think that's 100% achievable. So, you know, we've still got five rounds to go technically and, what, some 11 or 12 races, individual races. So I can't wait to get to Sydney Motorsport Park, particularly with some rookies where, they can take four rounds essentially to get to the point where they can win a race, and um, they go to the same racetrack four weekends in a row. So, you know, it's it's a really it's a it's a strange situation, but it's great for us as a team that these guys can just keep working up to it and um, getting to a point where hopefully, whether it's the third or fourth round, they're they're right up there ready to win races. Confidence is a critical part of a, a race driver's makeup. And with the two boys you've got, they don't lack for confidence, and mm. they've got they've got a lot of success at very different styles of motor racing. Yeah, exactly right. Um, you know, there's a there's confidence and there's arrogance, and both these guys have got confidence, and that's what you need. Like being an arrogant driver, a confidently arrogant driver doesn't work. So. Um, these guys are both confident and they believe in their ability and that's what you need. And as long as they believe in their ability and the team believes in their ability, um, then once you get the boxes ticked that the car's got the right setup in it and the pit stop crew does the right stop and all those things align, you can win races. And that's it's, it is as simple as that, as hard as that is. It's not simple, but... But if you've got all the ingredients there and you can you can get all the ingredients to do the right thing at the right time, you can win races. So, And we believe we've got all that. We've just got to make sure that we mix mix it all together properly and the chocolate cake tastes like chocolate and not like shit. The interesting thing is you've now been able to blood some young drivers. What do you do about your two New Zealanders? Is it a case with Murph, 20 years in the sport, is enough... Uh, <laughs> is enough testing for him. But for Richie, he, I don't know that he's sat in a car since he got out of the car, what, two years ago now? Yeah, that's an interesting one. And, and there's still obviously a lot of um, a lot of things to tick off there to try and get him into New South Wales at the moment. Like, as in the last few hours, it looks like it's going to be reasonably positive. But, um, but tomorrow could change. And trying to get him back to New Zealand is still a difficult one. And um, they don't, New Zealand government don't care who they are, what their profile is. If you don't get an MIQ and a flight to get back into New Zealand before Christmas, you're not going to get back in. So um, we've still got some hurdles across there, but I really hope we can cross them. And I've got a really good history with Murph, and I know, um, you know Murph's in a really good headspace at the moment, and he knows he's not going to go out there and try and be the, the hero and the fastest guy on track. He really wants to support Richie to be the the you know the guy that goes out and sets the lap times and Murph brings it home as a co-driver. So I really, really, really want to see those guys in that car. But um, I know I, I'm trying to be positive, but there's there's a lot of hurdles to cross to get them there. But if we get them there, there's no. There's no question the car's going to be as good as Brody and Will's um, to do the race. Um, it's just whether we can get them there. 
you are allowed to do some testing. Is it between one and two and three, three and four, four yeah. or something like that? Yeah, between three and four, there's a test on the 16th of November, so on the Tuesday. So that'll be their day where they can run the car. And um, hopefully, I haven't had it confirmed yet, they can do the co-driver session on the, on the I think it's the 19th, on the Friday before the uh, before SMP4. That's only a 40-minute session, but if they can do that as well, well, then, yeah, that'll be their lead-up into Bathurst. And mm. At the end of the day, they both know how to drive around Bathurst, so if we can get their seat position right and get them comfortable in the car and confident, we know we can give them a base setup at Bathurst. It's not going to be scary. They've just got to drive the car and, um, you know, make sure they're comfortable and, and then choose when they go fast. And they're both professional drivers that can do that job. And if they've got the right car at the right time and they're confident, there's no reason why they can't do a good job. Have you sent over to New Zealand a standard seat mould and had them both do moulds for you? No, that's, that's a, probably the tricky thing. There's no real set, standard seat mould for our car because we've still got the Erebus E-cell. So um, there's no, no one's got that um, seat in the world. So um, we've got... We've got plans that when they arrive here, hopefully the weekend before the test, that we'll have a couple of days to, to sort out a seat for them. And we've afforded plenty of seats in that e-cell. So you know, between um, what we're doing now with Brody, because Brody's lost a big chunk of weight since the last race, which I'm really proud of him of, that we're going to put another seat for Brody this weekend. And, um, you know, when Murph and Richie get there, we'll, if, it's, if it takes a day or two days to get their seat right, we'll, um, we'll make it happen and they'll be right to go. That's a huge bonus before Bathurst because it's your race one weight that they use as the standard for the rest of the year. Yeah, 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 exactly. Now, just in the logistics of Sydney Motorsport Parks, uh, four races... Last year when you were in New South Wales, you were able to stay at Betty's Farm for a while. Is is that the plan to be able to get away a little bit or is it going to be, you know, the hotel looking across from the track for uh, five weeks? Uh, no, definitely not the hotel across from the track. We're, you know, as, as good as that is for a short-term stay, but um, we've, hired, we've um, hired three houses in, in the Blue Mountains which is about 50 k's from the track. But you know, for the three quarters an hour to 50 minute drive, I think it's um, it's worth it that we can be out of the rat race a bit. And um, you know, when we do have a bit of downtime between each race, we're in the Blue Mountains, which is a lovely area, and we can hike or mountain bike ride or abseil or do little team bonding things that we can um, we can have a bit of enjoyment with while we're there and be out in the fresh air. So. Yeah, you know, we've tried to make it pretty strategic that yeah you know, we do these four rounds and we're not burnt out by the time we get to Bathurst. So hopefully we can um yeah we can target this whole little journey that we get to Bathurst and we're all a real united crew and happy and ready to go. Now Barry, the last three seasons have each been very different. Nineteen was a normal one. Twenty was very uh, strange with a long time on the road, and twenty one again different. We're hoping, and I'm sure you'll be planning on 22 being even more different again because it'll be closer to a normal season. But the biggest thing that will change is ownership of the series. Now, we understand that uh, things are in, a mechanism are in place, but can you just tell us, what do you think are the benefits, uh, if there are benefits, 
for the sale by archers of the series? Yeah, I think um, from what I've been through at the moment with um, the potential owners of the business and and the people that are interested in investing in the business, that um, they're going to be more, I guess, active in the business around um, trying to make it better and you know trying to improve the digital side of it and um, trying to make sure that the category really grows. Where nothing against the previous owners but um you know sometimes uh, change as good as the holidays we've learned this year that um you know we've grown out of what happened at the end of last year and some people see it as a negative some people see it as a positive but i see it as a positive change all, all the time that you can always learn from other people so yeah i, I feel really good about um where supercars is heading and and the potential new owners um whoever they, they're going to be, um, from what I've seen so far, is going to be really positive. One of the things that they had stipulated or put in their plan, from what I understand, is the uh, the sale of the Rex, the racing entitlement contract. Um, now, that's a very different scenario to one in which you first came into the series in and one in which you're now a co-owner with Betty of one of those Rex. Um there are benefits to that system as well? Yeah, I guess, like, if you look at it um, as a realistic point of view, you know, the teams own 35% of the category. Um, there's 24, 24 recs. If you divide 35 by 24, we own, you know, just over, you know, between 1.5% and 2% each. So if you really look at the figures on that in that sense, um, yeah, you know, you got to sort of weigh up what we give up versus what we can see the next five or ten years look like. Um, yeah, you can make a pretty easy decision on if the sport's going to build in a certain way and you've got some guaranteed income. Well, you know, it's a, it's a reasonably easy decision to make. But if you can't see the vision of what the next five or ten years look like, well, why own something that, might be a liability. So I'm not saying it is, but, um, you know, it's it's really tough times for everybody at the moment. So, um, you know, supercars, we need to keep building and we need to we need to get out of this um, COVID situation and make sure that the next five or ten years looks really positive. And if that looks like a, um, a situation where we're digging our, our small ownership to people that really want to invest in it and make the sport um, huge, well, that's what we need to do. So um, my mindset is that, um, yeah, we need to do what's best for the category and we need to do what's best for our um, our t- individual teams and make sure that um, the sport grows in the next five or ten years. We recently uh, had a long conversation with Tony Quinn and one of the things that he most definitely had indicated to us was that he sees a real benefit in the way that the ownership uh, will be structured with the teams not uh, being part of that ownership package um, and, and most definitely saw that the quality of decisions and the quality of the management being improved because of it. Yeah, I, yeah, I can definitely see what Tony's saying there and um, you know, I, can, I, I know from back when I was working closely with him in the GT stuff that <coughs> Tony's a very... Um, 
smart businessman and there's no one can deny that. And, um, yeah, I agree with Tony that, you know, if, if, if you have too many uh, emotional people involved in the decision-making, it can be a bad thing. So as long as we have the right people involved in the ownership that take um, the decision-making to a professional level where it's based on purely what's good for the sport and what's good for the income of the sport, well, 100%, you know, we're, we're going to move forward. You can't have emotional decisions in a massive um, business. Like it's not just a sport, a massive business. So I can see where Tony's coming from. One of the things that was raised with the last TV deal that was done, which involved uh, the move from Channel 10 uh, to 7 and as well as a, a much larger Fox component, one of the feelings was by the fans that there was not enough free-to-air. We were losing the thing that we had in that uh, we could go and sit down and watch when the races were on. Do you see that as a part that changes in the future? Oh, oh, it's a good question, but personally, I'm not going to say this as, as a as a, um, a big group thing, but um, personally, I think, you know, that free-to-air is great, but it's the way the world's going. You, you basically can, you pay what you consume. So if you consume motorsport, well, you're going to pay a price for it. And if it's a dollar a day or a dollar a month or whatever it is, I think that's a reasonable thing. Cause it, but as long as you're getting the benefit of really be getting the, what you want. So, you know, I'm a real MotoGP fan, so I'm happy to subscribe to MotoGP to make sure that I get the best MotoGP information I can get. And um, I think I get that for a really small amount. Um, but I think you'll see in, in the years to come where it'll be the smallest amount you'll pay. And if you pay, um, it could come back to a free-to-air thing. But um, I think paying you know, a dollar or two a week, I don't think it's a big burden on a lot of people and a big percentage of people to get the, the sport or the passion they love. So... You know, when a beer costs you four dollars to go and get at a pub, if you're paying four dollars a month to, you know, to get the sport you love, I don't think it's really a problem. It's a it's a minority problem, and um, as bad as that sounds, that you know, the mon- minority of people don't like they have to pay for their TV, but the majority of people are happy to. Indeed, I mean, we could go time, of course, which is pre your age, um, when TV <laughs> licenses were such a thing. Okay, <laughs> I never had to. I never yeah, had to buy a TV license, but I know my father did. Yeah, I am nearly fifty, Tony. I'm fifty next year, so I might only look twenty-five, but I'm fifty nearly. <laughs> well, that's the perfect uh, time to say, how's it going to be next year when you are one of the most senior team principals? Oh, in pit lane. We've had uh, three announcements of uh, new team principals for uh, 2022 already. <laughs> That's funny, isn't it? Like, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I, I just think about our team and I'm, I'm really proud of Betty and what Betty's going through this year in Sydney and she's been to one race meeting this year and I, I can't wait to um, give her a hug at um, Bathurst when she turns up and you know, be part of that event together and uh, honestly, you know, I like, um, 
all the other team principals I get on with really well and I understand there's a lot of changes going on and it's going to be pretty weird to to see Roland Dane or not talk to Roland Dane as a team principal and have to talk to Jamie Winkup as team principal as much as I get on with Jamie really well. But um, Roland's got, he's done so much for the category over the years and love him, I hate him. He's, he's, he's passionate about the teams and that's what you need. So it is a big loss. Um, as much as, yeah, like I said, love him, I hate him. Roland is really, really good for our category and he loves the sport and he, he loves making sure the teams get the best loving we do. So, yeah, Jamie's got a, a big um, big set of shoes to fill there along with Jess, Dane. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to the future and I love being involved as a, as a team principal. And hopefully we'll see... Um that experience pay off in how things manoeuvre in the the new world order. Uh, I'm interested to know, are you keen to see us go back to the three enduros in the, in the near future? Oh, I think there's a place for it in the, in the near future. Maybe not next year, but, um, you know, I'd love to see a stand at 500 next year like everybody. And, you know, from what I understand next year might be the last stand down like I hope I'm wrong but everything I've read and seen that stand down could be um, done and dusted by them but um, I hope not Um, but yeah it's it's a lot of rebuilding to do in in our sports at the moment with um, with what COVID's done to the sports so um, trying to rely on having all those co-drivers for three races or two races is, is a big task. So yeah, we might only see Bathurst as, a, as an enduro for the next year um, or so, but um, hopefully we get back to two or three enduros in, in, um, uh, by two, th- 2023, maybe the first year of Gen 3, we can step back up to a couple of enduros, but I'm not sure it'll happen as soon as everybody wants. Well, Barry, uh, it sounds like you've got a very full plate with uh, young drivers uh, finding their feet, but obviously very uh, strongly showing their, their uh, capabilities. You've got uh, rookies in the in the wings, and uh, of course the potential for a new restructure to change your business plan around. Uh, we wish you all the very best over the next five meetings. Uh, the big one at the end, of course. I. Uh, won't be getting to Eastern Creek or Sydney Motorsport Park, but I wish you and uh, your charges all the very best there, Barry. Look forward to watching it on KO, which I subscribe to. <laughs> nice. Yeah, well, thank you, guys. And, um, yeah, always good to chat to you. And uh, hopefully the next quarantine our team has to do will be a unforced quarantine at Bathurst after we win. And we'll, we'll be happily doing 14 days in the local pub around Bathurst um, celebrating our win. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Barry Ryan, CEO of Eris Motorsport, and all the very best. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next time for more or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited.